And now, Christ in Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Thanks for joining the conversation today. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Now, we're at the start of a new series called The Creative Process emphasis on process there, because in every episode, we will be processing an aspect of the creative life and our creative pursuits, especially in the context of today's marketplace that is oftentimes detrimental to such creativity. So as we get started, Hannah, I'm so excited because our our first conversation last week, I thought really kind of stirred up all the ideas in me, and we've had such good feedback back from listeners. So I am so excited to dig into this whole series. I am too. And I think what you just said about this being a process is so important. Um, you know, if you get online and you look at people talking about the creative life, especially the creative life in the digital age, there seems to be a lot of answers. Like, here, I'll sell you my three-step <laughs> process without a yes. lot of actually processing. So I yes. I see a lot of like packaged answers to say here's how you can be successful in your creative life, here's how you can market, here's how you can get the audience that you need for your pursuits. And what we're struggling with here on persuasion, which I hope we do on a regular basis and listeners kind of want that is try to make things more complicated and to say, <laughs> let's step this back. This is what we do. This is what we do. <laughs> we may not provide clarity, but we sure can complicate the question. <laughs> we'll talk it out from every angle. <laughs> this is what we do. Well, but I, I agree, Hannah. I, I think that the the tension that we all feel in terms of our creative outlets is that there are no simple answers, but we feel the urge still to try to make sense of it. And because we so want to create something of value and we want to put our hands to good work and there are things that are in us that we want to express in a variety of ways, we want that answer because we don't want our our gifts and our talents to lie dormant. But there really aren't easy answers. I think the the issue that we come up against is we have to engage and you have to do that hard work of sorting out all the variables. And so my hope is as we go through this whole series, bit by bit, we're going to come at it from different angles and maybe it'll provide some clarity so that each one of us in whatever way we're pursuing creativity that will help us to seek the Holy Spirit's direction and leading and and we'll find a few steps forward in our journey of the creative life. Absolutely. And I do hope that we can at least provide a frame or a way of thinking about these tensions so that we can maybe better our questions or maybe ask them in the first place that we stop long enough to say, hey, this looks like this really 
easy, um, beautiful thing that's happening, but it's a lot messier than maybe what's being presented on Instagram or on Twitter or, you know, just you see around you on social media. I think sometimes it's very tempting to flatten our stories um, and remove the difficulties as we tell them to other people. And that is a disservice to people who might be coming after us or who might want to pursue um, creative life or art in this space. And if we don't say, hey, there's a lot of questions that you're going to have to wrestle with, um, it can also be kind of disheartening when they run up against them themselves. So today we are so happy to have not just this time to talk with each other, Erin, but to have um, a guest with us. Um, One of the things we want to do on Persuasion is bring in the best kind of company. And we have um, Michelle Radford with us today to help us process how to make space, how to make space in a very busy, accessible world, how to make space for the art or the work that you are called to do. So Michelle, we're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. It's good to talk to both of you. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Michelle was with us on Persuasion episodes ago. I don't think I was actually part of that episode, but I'll make sure it's in the show notes so that everyone can can listen in on that. But Michelle, we're glad to have you back, and we're thrilled to uh, pick your brain and, and get your insight on lots of things related to making space for the creative life. And for listeners who may have not caught that episode yet, um, Michelle is a studio artist. She works in textiles and studied um, oil painting, particularly in landscapes, I believe, and um, has taught at the collegiate level um, and recently has um, become a co-founder of Leaf Institute in Greenville, South Carolina, which is a nonprofit that is really engaging these questions of faith and vocation and the creative life. Um, Michelle, is that about accurate? Is there anything else you want to add to that? No, that's correct. Now, Michelle, we wanted to get you on with us today, particularly because I know you've thought a lot about this tension of finding space in your life for the work that you are called to do. And in the past, I know that we've talked about that in relationship to motherhood or familial life, um, because you also are a wife and mother, and um, your children are fairly young still, and trying to find that space for all of these things that we're called to. Um, But as we've talked in the past, what's fascinated me is that while this kind of emerged from you and for you in context of motherhood, it really had universal dimensions for anyone who wants to make art. Could you share a little more about your own process of wrestling with this need to find the space um, to pursue art, to legitimize it, to have a sense that, yes, you can make space? Well, as you mentioned, I did find that tension in motherhood, especially. Um, And I, the idea that I had this vocation uh, that I was called to make art, but also called to care for my family. Those felt, especially when I had my second and third, those two vocations really felt like they were warring against each other. And I had a lot of uh, false guilt about, and I call it false guilt because I don't think that it was, it wasn't biblical guilt. I wasn't actually sinning against God, but I felt this tension. Um, how can I? 
turn away from my family for a time to go be in the studio and to make my work? And is that being a traitor to my family or to my duties to them? And what it came down to for me was I had to see that making art wasn't a selfish pursuit uh, that I was chasing. It was something that God had truly called me to and truly has called me to in the same way that God's truly called me to be a mother, or you could, by extension, I could say to any community of people, and that the motivation for any work that I do is love. And that motivation of love is what can unify all of my different vocations. And then the caller, God, is also unifying my vocations because he's the one that's calling me to these different kinds of work. So I don't have to see them as pitting ag- pitted against each other. I can see them as something that God is weaving together in my life um, to do the, the whole of his work and of his plan for me. So that was something that um, really set me free early on and helped me to realize that this was that both uh, caregiving and taking care of a family and loving them, that is good work. And also the work that I'm doing in the studio is good work that is that is from God. That's so helpful, Michelle, because in the conversations I've had with various friends about this, this tension and this struggle, it's almost like the assumption is that either you will be obsessively pursuing your your art or your passion or you will be and therefore you will be neglecting your family or your other responsibilities or you just need to neglect your art your passion whatever that is because there's just no space in the middle and i love how you're saying that both of these things are good and both of these things are callings and it is not only possible, but it is highly likely that God has multiple things that he's calling each one of us to, and they are they are all good. And the, the challenge then is figuring out a way to let them work and move together rather than saying it has to be one or the other. And it doesn't mean that, that, that the feeling of tension is going to go away. That's not away from me at all. It's a constant negotiation, but I have to have that framework even if I don't always feel completely settled. And sometimes it's a matter of adjusting the levels and and of choosing some things in motherhood do not matter to me. Um, like you know, my children's clothes are not going to be ironed. That is not something that for me is a priority in motherhood. I don't think that not ironing certain clothes has a detrimental effect if it's a (laughs) non-Easter holiday. um, Yes. And that's kind of a, that's a trivial uh, example. But um, so I, I don't believe that I can do all of the things that maybe every mother is going to do. Uh, And I also don't believe I'm going to be doing all the art that every artist is going to be able to do. So it's a constant negotiation about, well, I have to get really clear on what the essence of both these callings are. And I have to be really clear on, on which of those things within those vocations God truly wants me to do. Because you can't just throw out anything randomly. It has to be something that I seek God about, um, which parts of this are non-negotiable and which parts are frivolous or just not necessary for me personally and my family or for my studio practice. 
And what I've loved so much as I've heard you talk and we've been in conversation personally over the years is that it does emerge for you in context of family and motherhood. And I would imagine, you know, fathers would feel a similar tension um, to a degree. But I don't think the kinds of principles and wisdom that you're sharing is locked into family life. Like someone who has to work 40 hours a week to care and provide for themselves, let alone the people in their household, and yet they're feeling drawn to a a different type of work or they feel like their calling might exist in a different space. And so they're writing on the weekends or they're writing in the evenings. There is this tension for all of us that you have these responsibilities to the broader community or you have these responsibilities just to sustain your life that often do war against the more creative pursuits that that we want or feel called to engage in. So as I've heard you talk and I hear you come back to these larger principles of your vocation before God, doing all things out of love, finding um, you know the ways God is weaving your life together, recognizing your limitations, embracing the holistic kind of call that God has for you. To me, that is transferable to anyone who is struggling in that tension. Yes, even if the particulars aren't transferable. Um, and I would say that the particulars aren't transferable from one mother artist to another mother artist. Uh, they're gonna, Each person is going to have to figure out the combat. It could be, it could sound like the same vocations that two people are involved in, but the solution or the levels or the, the, um, the details, that is something that only you and God and your close group of, of advisors around you can really figure out. Um, so no, there's just, there is no, (laughs) there's no packaged answer for this stuff. So practically speaking, how have you made space? Like, what are the ways that you, in your specific context, have had to say, you know what, this is how I'm going to honor and validate my calling to art, and I'm going to have to just do it, even though I feel this kind of false guilt that you referenced. Right. Well, I mean, there are there are some things. At one point, I remember making a not to do list. I just I wrote down a list of things that I was going to just say no to. Things that maybe had been kind of nagging at me, but that I knew were not part of the of the equation. And if I kept trying to, I didn't want to keep fighting the same battles over and over again. Of like, should I do this? Should I not? And I I don't remember what what was on the list at the time because it was years ago. But I just made a list. These are things that I don't need to do. God does not ask me to do these these kinds of activities. Um, I'll, also, I have to um, you you have to share with other people what you're going towards to an extent. Not everyone has to understand all the ins and outs of your vocation, but I do believe that the people in your community have to understand that this is a calling for you, that making this work is important and that you believe that God's the one that called you to. And what that does is that gives you some accountability um, with your community, but it also hopefully allows them to release you to do that work. And they can actually then partner with you in this calling of create creative work um, with, for me, um, my art. So it's, it's, um, it's asking them to aid you 
in finding that time. So there, there is some negotiation with your community that you're going to have to make. Um, you're sometimes I'll tell my husband, I have to do this. Um, I've got to work on this painting. I really need to finish this. I'm going to need a block of time. That means I'm not going to cook supper today and the house is not going to look any better at the end of the day. And he's like, okay, that's good. Do what you need to do. And that kind of negotiation, it, it, it helps them set their expectations, but it also gives you some accountability and also some leeway, some permission, I guess, is kind of how we feel it to do that work that we believe God's called us to do. I think that's so important because this whole idea of finding space and um, making space, it's it's rooted in, like you said, the permission, the feeling that it is okay to say yes to something. And that means automatically you're saying no to something else. And those no's that you are agreeing to, they affect other people. And, and you have to draw in the, the people who are affected and say, hey, this is what it's going to look like if I make these changes, if I make these priorities. But not only does it affect them, I think it also allows them to encourage and speak into those places where you're already feeling a little bit guilty about saying no. Um, I have that very often. It's like, I, I know I'm called to it and I need to get the thing done and I want to have the space, but to voice it and to say it, it's almost like I'm the one who's asking for something extra. Whereas if I still say it and say, yes, I need the time and space, I I so appreciate it when there is that affirmation that, of course, I'm still with you. I'm still behind you. I still want you to do your work. So it's almost like um, choosing to bring that into the community aspect. It alleviates that burden from you as an individual. And it reminds you that this isn't an individualistic pursuit. It is because there's good for the community in the end. There's there's good to be produced. And it's more than just, oh, it's my passion pursuit, or I just want to have a hobby or something like that. It's it's bigger than just you. And so I really appreciate how these tensions actually force you to bring it more into the communal aspect. When this was harder years ago, and this was a little bit harder to negotiate and figure out, I did kind, I did realize that if I had a show scheduled or if I was responsible to a third party to deliver work, you know, like I have this project and I have to deliver it to so-and-so on this day, I felt more justified. Like it's more like work. And I'm not saying that the, the only solution is to schedule out a show or to you know, commit to having a deliverable to someone on a certain day. But I do find uh, this happened yesterday. Someone wanted me to do something. And I said, actually, I have a, a really big project that's due um, this weekend. And so I won't be able to do anything until next week. And so I didn't have to, it wasn't a, the person that I was speaking to didn't need the information about what project it was. My tenant probably tell the whole thing. This is what it but I just, I deleted that. And I just said, I have a big project coming up and it's due soon. So I can't do this, you know, but I appreciate your asking or whatever, something like that. And, and that was enough. And I just had to 
send that message on and, and be okay with it. But, but just kind of saying there is something I'm working towards. So no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it relieves you from being almost like you're the bad guy. It's like, oh, but look, there's this deadline or I've committed here. Yeah. yeah it's I, such a help. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I have to be committed. Yes. In my heart yep. in order to transfer that feeling of. And I think what we're really getting at in this process that you're both describing that how these tensions drive us to clarify what we are called to is, and when you use this word, and I don't want it to be misunderstood, it's like the legitimization of our work. I don't mean justification for our work, but I mean the community seeing it as work, we ourselves naming it as work, giving it the name um, and being able to have boundaries around it and to to express it in a way that is understandable both to the people we are living with and to ourselves. And I think given our context, it, it's been my experience that one of the ways that we can stumble in this process of trying to name and create space for our work is to believe that only work that brings in money is legitimized. So this is particularly a problem for people who are trying to make that transition into um, whatever calling or craft that they believe God is leading them into. Because those early days that you need to put in, that you need to be in the studio, that you need to be sitting in front of your computer writing, those early days often don't come with money attached to them. And it would be very easy to say, I can't do it yet because I can't legitimize it. Because in our culture, the paycheck is such a form of legitimization. And so what I often see happening for people is they will actually bypass this kind of really difficult process of legitimizing and naming and clarifying their work. And they'll get carried along by the marketplace and skip over this part and get involved maybe in what looks like creative work or art or writing, but it almost becomes a feature of the marketplace too soon, in part because we're looking for a way to validate and say, it's okay for me to do this work. And the income is the surest way we can validate and say, yes, see, now I can take this time. Now I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Financial risk is, is a big part of, of starting out and maybe continuing as an artist. Um, just this past May, I finished an 11 year stretch of teaching on the collegiate level. Um, and God made it so clear to me that it was time for me to put that kind of teaching aside to spend more time with the nonprofit that I'm involved with, and then to make my art in a more um, focused way. And um, that has been that's definitely a struggle when you don't have a regular paycheck coming in, you do have these little doubts like, Oh, is this real work? And, and also sometimes those doubts aren't my doubts. They're whether I wonder whether the people around me doubt whether I'm doing real work. You know, I stay at my house. I don't necessarily put on makeup and get all dressed up. So am I really doing real work? And this is something I know for sure this is real work, but how do people perceive that work? Um, is a big question. 
you know, and I have to, I have to constantly bring myself back to, I absolutely know that God has called me to do this on a more full-time basis. And I absolutely know the kind of work that I'm supposed to be making right now. And I don't have to look to the marketplace right now. Um, I'm working towards a show, which the deadline's in the spring. So I'm not selling this work. I have to save it for the show. And so that's kind of a long lead um, for getting that that uh, financial feedback. And I think one of the best things we can offer to the artists in our lives or the people who are taking these financial risks is our communal affirmation that what they're doing is valid work. Um, I know one of the listeners who saw this um, this series was coming up, um, he was telling other people to watch and he said, if you're not a creative or you're not engaged in like gig work or you're not doing this, there are people in your life who are. So listen, because you're going to know how to support them afterwards. And one of the ways that I think we can support people who are taking these kinds of risks to do the work that they believe God has called them to is to say, I see you. I see the work you're doing, even if you're not receiving validation in the marketplace or, you know, getting that paycheck in, I see you and I know that the work you are doing is valuable. I agree with that too, Hannah. I mean, those bits of encouragement that you are doing what God's calling you to do and and fulfilling that calling, even though it doesn't look flashy, um, especially during some stages or seasons, it's just enough to help you keep going. And I, I appreciate that so much when my family and friends do that for me. So yes, I would agree that this is so needed that we as a community support each other in, in the work. But, okay, here's how where we're going to get it complicated. And I'm going to throw this back to you, Michelle. As much as communal validation is important. There is a way living in the digital age, because this whole conversation that we're having is taking place in the tensions of doing work in the digital age. There is a way to need communal validation so much, right? That you actually neglect the work that you're doing. Can you speak to that? Can you speak to how this space that we exist in, especially on social media, of constant accessibility, of that constant like hit of endorphins when someone likes what you're doing, how that can actually undermine the space you're trying to create to do your work. Right. Well, the most obvious pitfall is that um, social media can be a huge wave way to waste your time, right? And you can you can be spending so much time kind of wait, waiting for these uh, election returns <laughs> on your latest work of art that you've posted that you're really not getting back into the studio and doing what you need to. But I think that a bigger problem um, is that, well, there's that uh, proverb that if you, not from the Bible, but that saying, if you chase two rabbits, then you'll catch neither. And if you're, it's hard for us to to develop our work in a deep and insightful way um, and also to be thinking about marketing at the same time. Um, and when we are expected as artists um, to be marketing constantly our work, it's very hard to turn that off and to do the deep soul work of figuring out why we make art. Um, I do think that maybe 
uh, Christian artists, I love that we are kind of grasping hold of the fact that we've been made in God's image and therefore we're creative with one facet of it. Right. And we're, we've affirmed the goodness of, of creativity, the goodness of, of maybe the artistic path. Um, but I don't know that we are all spending as much time thinking about what is the art for and what kind of art am I supposed to make that points towards the kingdom of God? Um, how am I supposed to develop work that actually um, that actually lets me live into being a living sacrifice? Um, how can I show these kingdom values? It's not just making the work, but what work does God have for me? And you need spiritual space for that. So um, if we're constantly being discipled by social media, if we're if if we are using likes and and um, approval on social media to decide what kind of art we make. If that's our if that's our feedback, our primary feedback, that distorts our view of what God's calling us to do. So um, I don't want to just be adding more of the same to um, the aesthetic world. I, I don't want to just be feeding the status quo. I have to take time to be still enough to hear the voice of God. And I do believe that that is one major area where... Um, Instagram or whatever your, you know, favorite channel is, could be crowding out. Um, it can be crowding out all of our, our quiet so that we can't really figure out what it is that we are supposed to st- say specifically um, because we're just trying to feed the market. This idea of creating space, um, even space meaning space from others so that there's distance enough from others and from the world so that we have space to hear God and to meet with God and therefore create something that is reflecting the kingdom, that is pointing people toward goodness and beauty and truth and life. That part of creating space, I think, is the hardest because I might be able to carve out an hour or two out of my day to say, yes, I'm going to dedicate time to art, time to my creative pursuits. But if that space is flooded with my thoughts that are full of what I want other people to think about me, or what I hope the market is going to appreciate about what I'm creating, it's sort of like that whole space is muddied. And I like this idea that you are presenting of we are creating a space, almost like a bubble where we are creating that's something that's separate and set apart. That's really challenging. We also can't enter into the zone or, you know, that kind of flow state that artists talk about constantly, you can't really enter into that when you have constant notifications or even just wondering what the market's going to do to you. And we all know, um, we know that that's a big part of the process. You can make, you can make a, a, a piece, you can make an artifact without being in the zone, a work of art without being in flow state. But I think we know that usually those pieces don't have the nuance. They don't have the risk they don't have the new discoveries that we're hoping will be part of the goodness of our art and so constantly flitting back and forth on social media is really not helping us to be daring it's not helping us risks. Um, it's not helping us make our best work if our decision making is really fueled by groupthink and by the 
feedback often from people that we don't know very well and don't really know what the fire in our bones is about. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, circling back to what you said about the beginning about our vocations being given to us by God in service of our neighbors out of love, that the withdrawing is not a withdrawing for the sake of leave me alone. I need to express myself. It is, I need to hear from God to understand what I am to uniquely contribute for the service of my viewers, my readers. Um, I am coming away to do hard work so that I can come out again in service to people who didn't go in there and didn't have that opportunity to do those things. So it's not that we're ignoring um, the people that we are going to communicate to through our writing or our work. Um, It is that we are reserving ourselves and and pulling back so that we can serve them better. Michelle, do you have any last thought about how we could make some space for our creative life? Well, this is just a practical thing that I tell myself Mm -hmm. and sometimes tell others, but um, it's easy to think that because we have um, a cell phone, that other people can at any to- at any time contact us, and it's true that that might practically be um, the case because of the way we have our settings going on. Our phone. But one thing I tell myself: um, this isn't a grand idea, but I tell myself, "Who pays for my cell phone connection and for my cell phone?" It's Paul and me, right? And so that is that doesn't have to be a door that's always open. I'm paying for my Wi-Fi. I'm paying for my cell phone. And so that's so I get to choose when those devices are open, when those gates are open. And it's fine for me to shut the door on those. Um, and for me to make the responsible choices about those. And um and and people do actually learn when they're when when I'm accessible. So over time, people are very good at seeing patterns, and I'm actually by by being available um, only at certain times or in certain ways. I'm actually kind of this will sound a little weird, but I'm training my friends and my contacts. This this is a platform that I'm basically not hard, hardly using, right? Or this is the way that you contact me, and this is about how long it takes. So. Or we could actually have a direct discussion about that or, you know, an auto reply or something like that. But we can choose. This is a responsible way for me to use technology and to allow other people to use the technology that I'm paying for. And it's in line with what I believe my calling is. And it's in line with what I believe God wants me to use these these uh, devices for. That's so helpful. Well, Michelle, we really thank you for joining us for this conversation. I know all the listeners are really going to appreciate all that you said, and we just love having you here. So thank you for being with us. I enjoyed it. And that's really all we have time for, sadly, for this episode. Um, But all you listeners out there, if you have not listened to episode one, make sure you you backtrack and listen to our kickoff. That episode is called The Creative Life. 
That'll be posted in the show notes along with all of Michelle's contact info so you can catch up with her there. And we would, of course, love all you listeners to be participating in this conversation, interacting with all the things that Michelle has offered and all the things we're talking about. So Hannah, what's our question of the day? Well, the question of the day is, what hard decision have you had to make to create space in your life for the work you believe God has called you to? I think if there's anything we take away from this conversation, it's that it's not an easy thing. Um, the The images sometimes that we see online of this flawless, seamless uh, merging of vocations where your children can surround you while you're doing your work uh, really isn't as accurate as it as it seems. And so there are going to be hard choices we have to make. There are going to be boundaries we have to put in place to create space to fulfill the work that God has called us to. So we want to know what hard choices have you made to create that space? Or if you haven't made them yet, what choices do you know that you need to make um, in order to pursue what God has called you to. And as always, you can join us um, in conversation on Twitter at PersuasionCAPC, or if you are a member of Christ in Pop Culture, you can join us in the member thread. We have had so many good discussions already about um, pursuing this creative life um, and trying to do it faithfully, um, both as Christians and um, those who are called to certain vocations. If you're not a member of Christ and Pop Culture, you can become a member for a, just a $5 a month commitment, and that gains you access not just to the members forum and to the conversations we have there, but also to um, monthly offerings, um, books, music, um, as well as first look at the Christ and Pop Culture uh, magazine online magazine. And um, we invite you into these conversations there. We also want to say thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces all the shows in the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. You can give them a listen at ChristandPopCulture.com or go to iTunes and search for all the shows there. And while you're there, we would love your ratings and reviews. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you're liking and help us to be found by other people who could be part of our listening family. We do thank all of you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes, and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. Name.